So we get to continue our sermon, Missing Christmas, today. We've been talking about the different ways we can miss Christmas if we're not careful. But I've got to start off this morning with a confession, okay? So I hope you all won't think less of me for this, but I've got to be honest. Um, I'm very transparent, as you know. Um, I have to admit that I have watched two Hallmark Christmas movies this week. Um, somebody said they'd have to take my man card for that. Um, I know it's hard to believe when you look at me and you think, Mike, you're so manly. How could you stoop down and do that? But, you know, here's the thing. You like, you see them as, as, as you're flipping through the channel, you'll see that the, and then you're like, you start watching it and then you're like, I don't know how this is going to end. So you, you have to watch it all the way to the end because you're just in such suspense like, you don't know how the story's going to turn out, right? Uh, no. No, I mean, as soon as you turn it on, you know what's going to happen. I mean, you, as soon, from the very opening credit of the, you know the story because it's all the same story, no matter what movie it is. But every one of them is built around this, uh, what I would call this crisis, this disappointment. Right at the beginning, someone's trapped in a small town, uh, and their flight is canceled. They're snowed in. They can't get to where they're supposed to be, and there's this crisis. Right? There's this huge disappointment. Uh, they've just broken up with their fiance, and they find themselves. And then someone shows up that they're all of a sudden their long lost best friend from kindergarten shows up. And they realize that the spark is still there. They end up sweeping each other off their feet and live happily ever after, right? That's the, that's the storyline of a Hallmark Christmas movie. But it's all about dealing with that disappointment. It's all about like there's some problem and they have to make a choice on what they're going to do about the problem. Now, in all seriousness, we live in a time where many of you are facing disappointments and challenges and a crisis in your life. And it's much more serious than a Hallmark Christmas movie storyline. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of heartache from loss. And let's just be honest, as much as we wish that COVID was over, it's still there. It's still affecting families. We're still seeing people sick and dying and in the hospital. And I just see so much of that as a pastor. And so for many of you, this Christmas season is one of heartache and loss. Um, for many people struggling with jobs and, and frustrations of that, struggling with health and struggling with parenting. And I could go on and on down the list. There's a lot of disappointment that we carry into the holidays sometimes. And so then the question becomes, how are we going to deal with that? How are we going to work through that? How are we going to live our life in light of all of that disappointment? And the question that so often is asked is, where is God in the middle of my disappointment? Where is God in the middle of this crisis? Does God even know I exist? Does God even care about what I'm going through? And I think that's, the, that's really... Um, I think that's really an issue for many people over the holidays. Our text this morning is in Matthew chapter 1. That's where we're going to be. And the story in Matthew 
is a little bit different um, than the story in Luke of the Christmas story. Luke gives all of these details and talks about the wise men and the shepherds and the angels and uh, Simeon and Anna. But in Matthew, we have a very simple telling of the Christmas story. And in Matthew, we kind of get the perspective really from Joseph. And so that's really what I want to focus on this morning, because when we really step back and look at the story of Joseph, it's a story of faith in the midst of disappointment. And so I want to look at that a little bit this morning. And and the, the story in Matthew refers back to a prophecy in the book of Isaiah, just like we read in our Christmas story book. Um, Isaiah foretold the birth of the Messiah, of the Savior. In Isaiah 7.14, we see this promise that was made around 700 years before the birth of Christ. It says, The Lord Himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This is going to be the key this morning. No matter what you're going through, I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you the ending of the story, just like the Hallmark movie. You know where we're going. The story is God is with us. That's what we need to know is that God is with us. And so if you understand the word, the incarnation, and that's really the, what, what it, God is with us means. The, the, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, as John says, right? Uh, the incarnation is Christ in the flesh. And if you understand that, you understand what Christmas is all about. The point of Christmas is that Jesus really came. He really lived. He, he really went to the cross on our behalf. That's the story of Christmas, that God came near. The first thing I want you to understand this morning is simply this, that God is with us in our disappointment and our confusion. God is with us. So don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that no matter what you're going through, God demonstrated His love by sending Jesus in the flesh to this world to become one of us. And so that, that is such a key uh, part of the Christmas story. It is the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, he was a righteous man. And he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And so I would just tell you right here, right? This is the part of the story where we see the disappointment. Joseph, in his, you think about this, he had huge plans for this relationship. And his plan did not include Mary becoming pregnant before they were actually married. This was a huge disappointment. What would people think? Would he lose his business? What would, would he be publicly shamed because this woman who uh, he thought he knew and understood and now all of a sudden she shows up pregnant? This is, this is, this is where we find ourselves in the Christmas story. Joseph had a plan for his life and this was not part of it. 
And there are people in this room who are wondering the same thing. You've got a plan and what's happened to you? This is not part of your plan and you're hurting and you're confused and you're disappointed and you're saying, where is God in the midst of all of this? Now we could... And we could get all theological and philosophical about where is God in suffering and in pain? And does God, you know, that, that's a question that's been asked for thousands of years and thousands of books have been written about it. But I want to keep it simple this morning. I, I just want to point us back to this Christmas story that God can take the disappointment in our life and turn it into joy. Joseph, he was just a simple man he was living as a carpenter. Uh, all of his plans were unraveling right now. And you've got to understand a little bit about the whole engagement and betrothment uh, process in the first century. We think of dating now. When you date now, you, you meet someone. You start getting to know them. Uh, then you, you go from the talking phase to the stalking phase where you get online and try to research about them, right? Let's be honest. That's kind of how the whole process works. You try not to like every photo and comment that they've left, but you're looking, you're trying to figure out who this person is. So you go from talking to stalking, and then you actually start dating, uh, and then you end up engaged, and then you're married. Well, the whole process worked completely different than first century. And typically, um, the whole process started by the parents arranging the relationship. How would you guys like that? Um, if your parents just got to chose your marriage partner for you. Um, and so the parents would, would kind of arrange this. Uh, they would actually enter into a legal contract. So the engagement could not be broken. Uh, this was serious. And, and so you would sign the documents and do the, uh, the, the exchange of dowry and all that things. And, and then for the next year you would enter into a period where you actually got to know the person you were going to marry. Um, and so that was like the dating period where you actually, oh, okay, this is who you are, and, and, and you wouldn't marry. So it's in the middle of that. Now, think about this. Mary returns from a three-month visit to Elizabeth. She shows up to Joseph and says, hey, by the way, I'm pregnant, and you're not the father. Now, I'm just going to ask you, in all seriousness, how would you respond in that situation? How would you respond? Because at this point in the story, the angel hasn't showed up yet to tell Joseph, oh, by the way, it's all going to be good. At this point in the story, he, he's got to be confused. He's got to be hurting. He's got to, to be wondering, what do I do? And so in his mind, he's like, the only choice I have here, I don't know how to respond, but maybe I could put her away quietly. Maybe I could just walk away and act like this never happened. But again, the engagement was this unbreakable legal contract. So there's all the stuff that, 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 that kind of plays into that. And that kind of leads me to my next point. The way we respond to disappointment will define our life. Now, I'm just telling you, each and every person, you're going to face disappointment. You're going to face confusion. You're going to face heartbreak. You're going you're to face times in your life when you don't know what to do. When it seems like every choice you make will dig you in the hole deeper. <laughs> You're going to face choice. You're going to, there's going to be times in your life where you're going to like, this is a no-win situation. I don't know what to do. And that's really where we find Joseph at at this point. And he needed something. He needed hope. Because right now he was losing hope. He's like, I don't know what to do. 
So let's read the story in verse 20 as we keep going. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It's interesting to me that it's at this point in the, sh- in the story where God kind of shows up and speaks to Joseph through the angel. It's at this point where Joseph was confused and hurting, where he felt like he had nowhere to turn, that he finally realizes that this is all part of God's plan. You see, Joseph was losing hope, and the angel brought the very thing that he needed to keep him going. And I want you to know, when you're at your lowest, when you're confused and hurting, what you need more than anything is hope. And the place you find that hope is in, is in Christ. The, the place you find your hope is God speaking into your life and giving you the direction and the guidance that you need to take your next step. And when you lose hope, you lose purpose. You lose joy. You lose, you lose the, just the, the, the whole meaning of why you exist. It was interesting. I saw this uh, statistic and this quote by, by a psychologist at, at UCLA, and he was talking about shipwreck victims. And uh, you're like, what do, you, what do you mean? Well, there's something that keeps people alive in the midst of, uh, a, of a crisis. And that thing is hope. He's talking about shipwreck victims. And he said, uh, the ones who lose hope will die after just a day or two. Um, when they're stranded on a you know, raft in the middle of the ocean, um, even though physiologically they could survive for much longer times, when they lose hope, it says, hope appears to be a catalyst for finding satisfaction. Without hope, life can seem futile. We need hope. And I'm afraid that so many of us in the middle of our crisis, all we can see is our problem instead of seeing the one who can save us from our problem. And so we find ourselves focusing on all the junk, all the disappointment, the confusion, the hurt, the pain, the sickness. And we take our eyes off the one who can really save us. Now, Joseph, he was obviously disappointed and confused. And he had a few choices, uh, a few ways he could respond. The first way was uh, the law in Deuteronomy told him that he could bring Mary out publicly, expose her sin and have her stoned to death. That's one of the ways he could have chose to respond to this. Uh, the second way was kind of what the way he was leaning is just kind of do it quietly, just kind of walk away. But then th- that was not just, I mean, that would leave, uh, there would be rumors and shame and, and that would destroy her reputation and his reputation from then on. So that wasn't, a, that wasn't a, a, an easy answer either. But the angel presented a third way forward. The angel presented a way of grace. The angel presented a way of faith and trust. The angel presented a way that gave them hope. It provided them a way of rescue where they could just had to trust God even though it didn't didn't make sense at all. And what I'm afraid I see so often is when people hit a crisis in their life is when they turn away from God instead of turning to God. Instead of trusting God, they start blaming God. 
And so Joseph, he just had to realize he needed rescue. There's a psalm, uh, Psalm 31, that talks about our need for rescue. And, and let me share it with you. It's this five verses here. Oh Lord, I've come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me for what you do is right. Turn your ear to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, a fortress where I will be safe. You are my rock and fortress. For the honor of your name, lead me out of this danger. Pull me from this trap my enemy set for me, for I find protection in you alone. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. That's a prayer that we need to pray, that we need rescue, we need help. That when we're in the middle of our problem and pain, we turn to God for our help. Now for Joseph, trusting God, I, I'm telling you, it, it had to seem crazy. I mean, he, he think of the, you wake up in the middle of the night and the angel tells you, hey, Mary's pregnant, it's through the Holy Spirit, it's kind of, I know it doesn't make sense, but you're going to name this baby boy Jesus, it's God with us, it's the whole fulfillment of this prophecy thing. I mean, he's got to be thinking, am did I just really dream that? What did I eat last night? Right? I mean, that, that was crazy. That's, that's crazy stuff. And yet he had to choose, okay, I'm going to listen. I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust. And we see here as we keep reading, his response is what made Joseph great. And that kind of leads me to my next point. Faith is trusting God when life doesn't make sense. Faith is trusting God when life doesn't make sense. If I keep going uh, in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, I think our screen is kind of going crazy. It does that sometimes. It gets uh, like it just quits working. So y'all have to just follow along and listen good, but we'll listen. It says, All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. This is, the pro this is the prophecy from Isaiah. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until the son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. You see, out of Joseph's disappointment, hope was born. Joseph had this choice to make. How was he going to respond? And he chose faith. He chose faith over fear. He chose, I'm going to trust God. I read this this week and it shows kind of the relationship between the manger and the cross and the resurrection. And it says the manger shows us that no situation is too degrading, no poverty too deep, no environment too filthy, no experience too humbling uh, that God in Christ, that shows that God is in Christ, is with us in the thick of it. That's what the, the manger shows, that God is with us in the middle of all of that. The cross, though, shows us that no struggle is too great, no shame too humiliating, no sin too wicked, no grief too deep, no suffering too intense, not even death itself is so awful. What? That God faces it with us in Christ. And then the resurrection assures us that because Jesus rose from the dead and lives today by His Holy Spirit, that He can be with us everywhere, all the time, and in every situation. The manger shows us that in the, the, the middle of our problems and pain, that God became one of us. That's how much He cared about us. The cross shows that He loved us so much that even though we were disobedient to God and sinful people, that He went to the cross on our behalf. And the resurrection shows us 
that God loves us so much that we get to be with Him forever, for all of eternity. That's the Christmas story. That's what Christmas is all about. That we can find hope right now, no matter what we're going through. You may not always see Christ. You may not always feel like you are close to Him. You may, not, you, you may be struggling right now. You may be fearful. But I'm telling you, no matter what, God is with us. That's what the Christmas story is all about. Tim Keller said this. He said, if Jesus Christ is actually God come in the flesh, you're going to know much more about God. You're seeing Him weep. You're seeing Him upset. You're seeing Him cast down. You're seeing Him exalted. If Jesus is who He says He is, we have a 500-page autobiography from God, in a sense. And our understanding will be vastly more personal and specific than any philosophy or religion could give us. Look at what God has done to get you to know Him personally. If the Son would have come all of this way to become a real person to you, don't you think the Holy Spirit will do anything in His power to make Jesus a real person to you in your heart? Christmas is an invitation to know Christ personally. Christmas is an invitation by God to say, look what I've done to come near to you. Now draw near to me. I don't want to be a concept. I want to be a friend. So the whole Christmas story is that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The message paraphrase said, He moved into our neighborhood. <laughs> he left the comforts of heaven. He moved into our neighborhood. And why? Because we needed rescue. Because this dark world needed a light. And that light that was promised so long ago was fulfilled when Christ was born. And so my question to you, this Christ, as we celebrate Christmas, this Christmas season, do you know Jesus? Have you received this gift that He has offered? The greatest gift you could ever receive is told to us in this promise that we know in John 3. For God so loved the world that He gave, He sent His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. So think about that. Why did Jesus come? God did not send Him to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. And so in the middle of all this Christmas craziness, we have to remember why Christ came. We were lost. We were hurting. We were confused. We were disappointed. We were in a crisis. We needed rescue. And so God sent His Son, Jesus, as a free gift. I love how uh, Paul talks about it in the book of Ephesians. Uh, he said, God saved you by, your, by His grace when you believed. You can't take credit for, for it. It's a gift from God. And so if I wrapped up a big present, and I brought one of these children up to it and said, I have this incredible present for you. And just look at it. And they're sitting there, big eyes, looking at the present. And I'm like, don't you like your present? They'll be like, yeah. But they're still, it's not theirs yet, right? Why? Because I'm holding it. They have not taken it. They've not received it. They've not unwrapped it. They've not taken possession of it. When, God, when Paul tells us that salvation is a gift 
uh, it's a gift from God. What he's telling us is God has this gift wrapped up. He has presented it to us and saying, this is what you get when you receive it, when you put your belief and your faith and your trust in Jesus. But I can't make you take it. He doesn't force you to take it. He doesn't force you to unwrap it. You have to receive it. You receive it through your belief. Your belief that God is who he says he is. That when he sent Jesus, he sent Jesus to pay the penalty for your sin. And so I just want to, to ask you this morning. Maybe you've been in church all your life and you've been trying to work your way to God. You're just hoping maybe I'll be good enough where God will accept me. Maybe you've been running from God and you're like, I, and you think the opposite. You think I'm too bad for God to accept me. Here's what I want you to know. God is saying, here's this free gift. There's nothing you could do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to, to, to lose it. it. It's a gift from me. And so you have to receive it. You have to take possession of it. And you do that by faith. You do that by, by faith. You, it's all about just your belief that Jesus came. He lived this perfect life. He died on the cross to take your place. When you, when you, the word says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That, that's the gospel, right? The, the gospel message, nothing we've done. And so I, I'm just going to give you an opportunity right now, right here in this place today, whether you're watching online, whether you're here, let's make sure we know who Jesus is. Let's make sure we know why Jesus came. Let's make sure that we've made him the Lord of our life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this Christmas story is so wonderful. It's so beautiful that we see how much you love us. You loved us so much that you sent Jesus to come be one of us. To live a life perfectly. A life that we've tried to do but we couldn't do. And then Jesus, he went to the cross. Even though he was innocent, he went to the cross and he took uh, our sin upon himself. He became the sacrifice for us. And because of that, we can be forgiven from our sin. We can be given new life. So right now, Lord, I pray for everyone listening, everyone in this place, that they would be able to confidently say that Jesus is my Lord. That he has saved me. That, I, that, that I've been born again because of my faith in, in Jesus. And if you can't say that, if you've been running from God, or if you've been trying to earn your way to God, then today, right here, right now, would be the time where we make things right. And so while every head is bowed, would you just pray with me if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life? Would you just say, Jesus, I come to you today. I'm broken. I'm confused at times, but I know I need rescue. I know I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. So I confess my sin to you right now. Lord, I want to put my faith, my trust in you and in you alone. So Heavenly Father, would you come into my life? Would you save me? I believe. I want to put my faith, my trust in you and in you alone. Lord, help me to live for you. Help me to honor you. Lord, would you just be the Lord, the master, the ruler of my life? If you just prayed that, I want you to know that, that Jesus heard it. While every head is still bowed, I want to ask you to do something. Uh, and I want you to, to just be honest. If you have never prayed that prayer before, if today is the first time and you said, hey, I, I made Jesus the Lord of my life, would you just raise your hand and say, Mike, 
Would you pray for me? Would you just lift your hand up? We had people accept Jesus for first service. Anybody in this room? Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful that you still change lives. You transform lives today. Just thank you. You can put your hands down. Here's what I want you to know. Parents, this is a great opportunity to, to talk with your kids. But Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. We honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.